Good morning. Will you stand and let's sing together. This is a, a new song that we just started doing a few, few months ago called My Jesus. Feel free to sing along with us when you get the hang of it. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? It all to carry. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel empty? All that's stealing and you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way. seated. It's a joy to share in baptism today, and this is Shelby Dotson, and she's the daughter of Dustin and Christina Dotson, and I know that she has grandparents here, has some uh, grandparents and others, and so if your family or friends of, uh, Chris, of uh, Shelby's, would you please stand in her honor? Oh, that's great. So glad that, uh, that you can be here for this special occasion in her life. Thank you. You may be seated. 
and uh, Shelby has been thinking about baptism and talking to her parents. She came and talked to me, and then not too long ago, she prayed at home to receive Jesus as her Savior, and now she comes uh, to confess that publicly before her church family. This baptism is special in a couple of ways. First of all, it's special for me because it's a second-generation baptism. I had the honor of baptizing her mother, Christina, when she was 15 years old, and now what an honor to baptize Christina's daughter. It's just so wonderful to see Christian families in our church who are passing on the faith to a succeeding generation and teaching their kids the nurture of the Lord. This baptism is special also because uh, Shelby was playing softball Tuesday and sliding into home plate, she broke her arm. And you want to show me your cast, Shelby? So they've got, so Shelby's first concern sitting on the bench was, can I still get baptized Sunday if I've broken my arm? So uh, I am so proud of her for wanting to do that. So they, they got her a waterproof sleeve that covers her cast, so we will not harm that. And uh, so uh, that's just uh, another um, indication of her great desire to follow Jesus in baptism. And so we're proud of her. Shelby, will you confess? before your family and friends and church family, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Amen. On your confession of faith in Christ, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And welcome to worship. We're glad you're here, especially if you're a guest with us or you're watching online. Appreciate you joining us. If you're a guest, I want to remind you about a, a let you know about a guest card in the back of the pew there. If you don't mind filling that out, it's a way to get to, to know you and for us to uh, connect a little bit. And at the end of the service, you can take that card down the hall to the Welcome Center. We've got a gift there for you. And uh, we'd love to get to know a little bit about you so you can do that. But we're excited just to be in God's house and worship and glorify him and give him praise. And let's pray and we'll continue to worship. God, we thank you for uh, new life. And we thank you for that, uh, seeing that in, in a baptism this morning, God. Uh, the joy of your children uh, being reunited with you because of the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice and his raising from the dead, God. We thank you that we serve you, a living God. There's no one else like you, God, and you deserve all the praise. So help us as we gather to give you our heart's attention and affection and, and have our minds set on you uh, so that we can hear from you and enjoy your presence and be changed uh, because of it. And so we just give this time to you, God. Let us worship you, our mighty Father and the, and the wonderful Son. It's his name we pray. Amen. We can stand again and let's sing together. Only a God like you is worthy of our praise. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. We, we didn't. I, I want you to hear that really cool electric guitar part. So here we go. Ready?
Yes, I am. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. That's fine. Yeah. Praise God. We, we give you this clap offering, Lord, this morning because you are a good, good God and you are worthy of our praise. Lord, we come before you this morning just lifting you high, knowing that you must become greater and we must become less. Lord, we're so thankful that you have chosen us. You've not forsaken us. And our identity is tied up in who you are and who you say we are. That is our identity. So, Lord, thank you for loving us enough to taking us as your children. Lord, I pray for Dr. Cox this morning. As he brings your message, may, may you pierce our hearts with your word, with your Holy Spirit, and guide us and lead us and make us into the children that you created us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. I'm sharing a three-week sermon series about good decisions. How can we make good decisions? The good news is that God wants to help us make good decisions. God loves you. God wants to help you flourish in life. And so I'm sharing in this three-week sermon series three ways that God wants to help you make good decisions. I sort of think of this as a three-layer cake. We've got chocolate this week. Uh, three-layer cake. Last week, I shared with you what I would call the bottom layer of the cake. The first way that God wants to help you make good decisions is He's given us the Bible. And we learned that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. So the Bible is useful to help us make good decisions. And so I've encouraged you as you face decisions in your life to ask, does the Bible say anything about this? And not only direct teaching, but indirect teaching that the Bible has that will help us make good decisions. Well, what about those areas of our lives that the Bible doesn't speak to? The Bible doesn't speak, of course, to every modern situation that we face. Does God offer any help in areas where the Bible does not specifically address? And the answer is yes. And so today we're going to look at the second layer of the cake, the second way that God wants to help you make good decisions. And remember, these layers are one on top of the other. So the Bible is foundational, nothing contradicts the Bible, but in other areas we learn today that God gives wisdom. And so God not only wants to give us direct teaching through the Bible, but he wants to equip us and build into us the ability to make good decisions on our own, the Bible calls that wisdom, where we have good judgment, and we have discernment, and we can find the mind of Christ and learn to think like Jesus in other areas of our lives. For example, maybe, uh, have you ever wondered uh, uh, in a situation, what should I say? You ever wondered in, with, your, with your spouse or at work, what should I say in response to this? Well, is there any help for that? You, you're not going to find specific guidance in the Bible, but God does help you in that, in that He gives wisdom. Or in relationships. I had a roommate in college uh, that had a girlfriend at college, and he had a girlfriend back home in the town that he came from. And uh, that went on for some time, and pretty soon he realized, I'm going to have to make a choice, going to have to make a decision. And you can't, I can't keep both of these forever. And uh, so, does the Bible help in anything like that? Well, certainly there are principles in the Bible about relationships uh, that, are, that would apply, but it doesn't give that specific guidance between these two, does it? So in this case, how does God help? God wants to build wisdom into you in those kind of questions. So today we're going to look at three questions about wisdom. What is wisdom? How do I get wisdom? How do I know I've got wisdom? What's the, uh, what's the character of wisdom? What's the source of wisdom? What's the evidence of wisdom? There are two books in the Bible that are, that are most about wisdom in each of the two testaments. For the first question, we turn to the book in the Old Testament that is most about wisdom. That's the book of Proverbs. What is wisdom? Let me read to you Proverbs 1, 1 through 10. 
Proverbs 1.1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, king of David, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom, right off the bat, is the purpose of this book. This book is to help you gain wisdom. And then he piles up some other synonyms that sort of help us understand what wisdom is. Listen to this. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding, words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Do you hear all of those words there? Those are all synonyms for what the Bible means by wisdom. Discretion, uh, discernment, understanding, knowing what is right and just and fair. And notice the word simple there in verse 4. Simple in Proverbs is a person who is naive or gullible. We all sort of start out simple. Kids are simple. They're naive and gullible. Nothing really wrong with that. But what Proverbs is saying that if the simple don't gain wisdom, they become fools. So you're going to become either a wise person or a foolish person. And so you want to gain wisdom because the opposite of being a wisdom, wise person in a proverb is a fool. And so it says, giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. And it says in verse 5, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. So here we learn that wisdom is a process. It's not just a one-time thing. So what we're talking about today is not just that immediate help for an immediate decision. That's more of what we're going to talk about next week. Here we're talking about building into your life over a period of time. Luke 2.52 says that Jesus grew in wisdom. Did you know that? So you don't get it all at once. Even Jesus didn't get it all at once from the time he was a boy. He grew in wisdom. And what we need to do is grow in wisdom. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. For understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. And then in the next three verses, 7 through 10, next four verses, are three components of wisdom. In our definition of wisdom, here's three things. You want to know what a wise person is? Here it is. Number one, a wise person fears the Lord. The first component of wisdom is a fear of the Lord. Look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools, there's the opposite of a wise person, despise wisdom and instruction. So wisdom is, first of all, theological. That is, it recognizes there's a God. And it doesn't matter how educated you are or how old you are. If there is not a fear of the Lord, the Bible says you're not a wise person. You're a fool. The fool says in his heart there is no God, the Scripture says. So the basic component of wisdom is, first of all, recognizing there's a sovereign God, and I am under Him, and I have a fear of the Lord. Second component of wisdom is a teachable spirit. Look at verse 8. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They're a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. The word listen is 12 times in the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. A teachable, humble spirit. A person who's a know-it-all who talks all the time and never listens, is not a wise person, according to the book of Proverbs. But a teachable person, a humble person, a listening person is on the path, Proverbs says, to wisdom. Teenagers, let me tell you something. You want to do God's will? You want to be what God wants you to be? Kids, listen to me. You want to do what God wants you to do? Listen to your parents. That's what this verse says. Now, we learned last week the Bible's over mama, so, you know, the Bible's over everything, but all things equal. Listen to your parents. That's what they said. Be teachable. The third component of wisdom is to avoid evil. Verse 10 says, my son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. So that shunning or avoiding evil, so wisdom has a moral component, that it shuns evil. And so you see, you can be a very smart and educated person and not be wise if there's not a fear of the Lord, a teachable spirit, and a, and a shunning of evil, that moral component. And, and so in academia today, there are a lot of bright people, and we ought to learn from them their field of subject. But when it comes to wisdom, many do not fear the Lord, shun evil, and have a teachable spirit. In the tech world today, man, we're so grateful for all God has allowed people to discover and learn. But in many in those fields, there is not that 
those components of wisdom. Bill Gates, in an interview with uh, Rolling Stone magazine about eight years ago, they asked him, do you believe there's a God? Here's Bill Gates' answer. The mystery and beauty of the world is overwhelming and amazing, and there's no scientific explanation of how it came about. Uh, to say that it was generated by random numbers doesn't seem to make sense. I think it makes sense to believe in God, but exactly what decision in your life you make differently because of it, I don't know. Now, I'm grateful that Bill Gates was open to the idea that there's a God. That's, that's great, but he's not made any connection. As brilliant as he is and as indebted to him as he is, could have changed. I'm not judging Bill Gates. I don't know his heart. That was eight years ago. But eight years ago, he said, I think there's a God, but what difference that would make in any decision that I would make, I don't know. I'm just saying to you that, that there, are, there are humble people who have more wisdom than some of the giants of, uh, of industry and academia today because wisdom is a fear of the Lord, a teachable spirit, and a moral component of shunning evil. Look at Proverbs 3.9, we see them all, or Proverbs 3.7, we see all three of these components in one verse. This verse summarizes what wisdom is. It summarizes, I think, the first nine chapters of Proverbs. Proverbs 3.7, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and shun evil. That's what it means to be a wise person. Those are the three components of wisdom. And so if you're looking for advice from somebody, you want to look for somebody who has those components about them. Proverbs 13:20 give you one more verse from Proverbs before we leave it. And Proverbs chapter 13:20 says, "Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm." So you want to get your advice from those who are wise. Now you want to be you want to love everybody. You want to be kind and friendly friends to everybody, but you want to walk with the wise because when you walk with the wise, you become wise and a companion of fools suffers harm. So that's what wisdom looks like. So how do we get wisdom? How would we get this discernment, this prudence, this discretion, this knowing what is just and right and fair, this understanding? How would we get that? Let's go to the New Testament and the book of James is the book of wisdom in the New Testament that is most similar to the book of Proverbs in the Old. And here's what James has to say about wisdom in James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, okay? So if you say, boy, I, I'm, I'm simple, I want to become wise, uh, how can I get wisdom? If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. There's how you get wisdom. Ask God. God. God's the source of wisdom, and he wants to give it to you. You need to ask him for wisdom. In all of your praying, you probably prayed for a lot of stuff. You probably pray for physical needs, and you probably pray for protection. Do you ever pray for wisdom? That's what the Bible says to do. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all. So God's not stingy with wisdom. He gives liberally, the King James Version says, generously. He's just willing to dole out wisdom if you'll ask him, it says. Without finding fault, it says, and it will be given to you. Now, there's one condition for receiving wisdom when you ask for it. Here it is in verse 6 and following, and that is that you must have faith. Faith is the one condition for receiving what you're asking for, but when you ask, verse 6, you must believe and not doubt. Now, why would that be so? Uh, doubters would need wisdom. Why wouldn't God give wisdom? He said he, he gives it generously to all. Why this one condition of faith? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons. First of all, Colossians chapter 2 says, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid in Jesus Christ. And the first thing you need to do if you want to be a wise person is put your faith in Jesus Christ. And you'll never know wisdom unless, as Jesus said, you build your life upon the rock and his words are that rock. And so faith is that condition for receiving wisdom because all wisdom is in Jesus. And if you won't put your faith in Jesus, you're not headed toward the source of all wisdom and knowledge. So if you, if you want help making decisions, the first thing I'd say to you today, have have you set the direction of your life to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in Him? Because that's the condition for God being able to bless you and teach you. 
And the second thing that I would have you to see about why there's this condition of, of wisdom is because if your direction of your life is not set, God can't begin to bless you. Look at verse, uh, read, well, that's part of verse 6. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. I get almost seasick just reading that. I could get seasick in a full bathtub. I could just get seasick reading that. But have you ever been on a, a, a boat and it's just, it's just moving all the time, vacillating, going back and forth? And if you're like that and you're, you're hot one day and you're cold the next and I'm over here one day and I'm over here the next and, and there's no direction set in my life and I'm just, oh, I'm in church one time and I'm not in church and yeah... God can't hit a moving target. If you'll set the direction of your life in Jesus Christ, he said, I'm trying to give you wisdom. I'm trying to help you make good decisions. The one condition, you just ask me in faith, he says. That person, verse 7, that person who's like a wave of the sea should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So God wants to bless you if you'll set the direction of your life. And if you'll say, God, I want wisdom, and I'm going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and, and, and uh, I'm going to follow you, and that's the direction I'm going to be headed. In uh, Bunyan's book, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, he, a pilgrim is on a pilgrimage, and he, he ran into a character named Mr. Facing Both Ways. You ever known anybody who is like Mr. Facing Both Ways? That's what these verses are talking about. God can't give wisdom to Mr. Facing Both Ways. And if you're facing both ways, or you're like a wind, you're like the waves that are tossed, you're not going to receive wisdom. But if you will set the direction of your life and put your faith in Jesus Christ, he said that he will give generously without finding fault. Well, so how do you know if you're on that right track? How do you know if you're becoming a wise person? What would be the evidence of that that you could sort of test yourself and see, am, am I headed in the right direction? Am I making progress? Am I becoming a wise person? Look at one more passage about wisdom in James. It's in James chapter 3 beginning in verse 13. And what we see here is the evidence of wisdom is character. Character. So we've already seen that wisdom has this moral component of shunning evil. And so when you are fearing the Lord, and when you're teachable, and when you are shunning evil and asking God for wisdom and faith, it's going to change your character, and that's the evidence of real wisdom. Look at these verses, James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it, the evidence, by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. I think James was writing to some people who said that they were wise, claimed that they had great insight, but their character was contradicting their claim. And James is saying, Wisdom's going to be known by character, and if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it and deny the truth. So then, in verses 15 through 18, uh, he sort of gives us a, a, a parallel. Let's look at it sort of in the form of a chart. Verses, and you see which column you find yourself in, and you can see if you're growing in wisdom. James 3, 15 through 16 is wisdom that... It's not true wisdom. Such wisdom, he's got that in quotation marks in the NIV translation, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. So earthly, unspiritual, and demonic wisdom is not real wisdom. How do you know if the, 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 what your, your philosophy of life, your direction of life, how do you know if your values and your, your beliefs, how do you know if they're godly or not? How do you know if they're earthly, unspiritual, demonic? Here's the character of it. Earthly, unspiritual, demonic, verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So the character, the test, is going to be where there's envy and selfishness. Uh, that's not a character of true wisdom. And the result is going to be disorder and evil practices. So if in your family, 
if in your, if in your relationships there is the character of envy and selfishness and there is the result of disorder and evil practices, you're not on the path to true wisdom. That's, that's the test. Here's the positive side of it in the next two verses. But, verse 17, the wisdom that comes from heaven. That's what we're after. So how do we know if we are becoming wise with the wisdom that comes from heaven? Here are the words that characterize it, these character words. It's pure. That is that, that uh, not just moral purity, but the word really means that singleness of intention that we talked about. Pure in heart and intention. Peace-loving, not combative. Real wisdom is not combative. Considerate or kind. Submissive, that is, willing to listen, agreeable. Full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So, uh, uh, the wisdom that you follow online, does it, does it have those characteristics? Because some wisdom that you follow online does, is not pure and peace-loving and considerate and all those things. This, this is the test, you see. And the result then will be, verse 18, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So real wisdom is going to result in righteous conduct. And where there is not that result of righteousness, where there is instead disorder and evil practice, then you don't find real wisdom. You can use this test to test those that you would listen to and those that you would follow and those that you would seek counsel from. And you can also use this test in your own life to say, am I growing in wisdom as Jesus grew in wisdom? Because if so, there will be a character result, the Bible says, because of that. God wants to help us make good decisions. In the little things, day by day, what to wear, what to eat, where to go, how to use my time, how to invest my money. In the big decisions of life, your career and your school and your, your jobs and, and uh, your service in church and your mission in life, God wants to help you make good decisions. And the first thing he's done to, to help you is to give you this book, the infallible word of God, the Bible. And that's where you need to start. But God also wants to give you the ability to make wise decisions in your own judgment and discretion and discernment and understanding. And he says, if you'll fear me, and if you'll be teachable, and if you'll avoid evil, and if you'll ask me in faith, then I'll give you discernment and understanding and wisdom and discretion and prudence and you will see in your life a change of character from envy and selfish ambition to purity and peacefulness and consideration and kindness and submission that will bless you with a harvest of righteousness would you pray together with me Right now, I just want to invite you to pray for wisdom. This is not so much a prayer for a specific decision. We're sort of going to get to that next week in the third layer of the cake. But this is, in the character of my life, God, I want to not be a fool. I want to be wise. Because I know wisdom is going to bless me with a good harvest in my life. And so for some of you, the basis of that prayer may need to be to set the direction of your life, to follow Jesus. Perhaps there's someone right now who would say, I've been all over the map. I've been up and down and in and out. And right now, I just want to say, I'm going to set the direction of who I am. I am going to take a stand. I'm going to receive the gift of salvation in Jesus and commit to him as Lord. Would you say that in your heart right now to him? It could be the most profound moment of your life right now. Many of you have already set that course in your life. Many of you are already growing wisdom, but we've learned that the wise are still learning and gaining wisdom. And Some of you are just sort of simple, just sort of starting out. Wherever you are, would you ask God for wisdom in your life? God, I want a harvest of righteousness. God, I, I, I ask in faith, that you would build the principles of wisdom into me.
I'll seek to cooperate. If there's any evil I've been a part of, I'm going to avoid that. I'm going to shun it now. If I've not been teachable, I'm going to change my spirit and to be a listening person. Most of all, if I have not feared you, I am going to ground my life on a reverence for you. Oh, God, give me wisdom. Lord, thank you that you give to all generously without finding fault. Thank you for hearing this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song of invitation. Today, if you've set the direction of your life to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear about that. You can walk forward right now and just share that with me. I'd share it with the congregation. We could plan for your baptism uh, to follow Jesus at, uh, at another time. Maybe there's other decisions. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you. Uh, we invite you to come right now as we sing together. guest with us this morning, we'd invite you to go to the Welcome Center with your guest card. Uh, we have a small gift for you coming and being a part of our service this morning. I'd like to just direct your attention to our worship guide and invite you to come back tonight at 6 p.m. Our kids' choir is having their spring musical. Kids, you need to be here at 5.30. We invite you to come back for that. And also, just to look at the worship guide, there's great information in the middle section there of things going on in the life of our church that we would like you to be a part of. So be sure to look at
at that. So as we have worshiped in song and in the word, it's also uh, time for us to worship through giving. So as we leave, there's uh, drop boxes there on the back wall, and that's just our way of receiving our offering right now. And so you can drop your offering off there on your way out, and we thank you so much for your financial giving to our church. Let's take a moment and pray together, and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you so much for the words that we have heard, God. Um, to live with wisdom and ultimately to live as Jesus here in our world. So, Father, as we hold out this good news uh, that you not only give us a better life, you give us eternal life. We thank you for all of this in Jesus' good name. Amen. Lord, I need